there's something sweet about worship, about experiencing Jesus, about having that moment where you just say, God, it's all you, you know? And uh, that's what we've been talking about this past month and this morning. We're talking a little bit about being all in. What's it mean to be all in with Jesus? What's that look like? Um, I was thinking about that this week because there are times in your life where you have to decide, am I all in or not? Uh, I remember uh, some years ago, my sons, we were at Disney and at one of the water parks there, and uh, I forget which one it was, but they begged me to go on this water slide, and apparently it is the highest water slide on the East Coast, okay? And you know how from the bottom you look up at things and they don't look that big, right? Like they're just, oh, that's not so bad. And then you get up there and you're like going up all the steps and like the Rocky theme is playing in your head as you're like going up all of these steps, and you realize that you've like actually gone past the clouds and you're looking down on them as you're like on this water slide. And I was up there at the top and I was thinking like, what have I gotten myself into? Like I, like I agreed to this and I don't, I don't know if I really want to do this. And as I'm standing there, there's these two teenage sons and they're with their mom. And they're talking about, they're telling their mom how to go down this water slide. And I'm tuning into this and they're saying, okay, mom, what you want to do is you want to get a big breath before you go down that thing. Because like for the first 20 seconds, you're not even really touching the slide. You're just falling, and there's water spraying in your face, and you really can't breathe. And I was like, are you guys serious? Oh, yeah, we are. Like, oh, great. And so you get up there to the edge, and of course you sit on it, and it's flat, and you really can't see. down. Like you're like, oh, my. Like I'm shoving myself basically off a cliff right, and falling, and I don't know if you guys know this, but when you go all in down the slide, so do your shorts, right, so like, you got to be careful of that when you get to the bottom. Hendrickson, that did work well, you're right, yeah, um, we were talking about that between services, anyway, so when you get all in, that was like this moment, you had to decide, am I going to be all in, or am I just going to talk about this, and like, oh yeah, but you get to that moment, and there's just those times in life, right? You have to decide, am I going to be all in or not? There are other places in life where you don't have to decide that. There are places in your life where you might purposely decide, I'm part in. For example, when I first was married to my wife, I thought I was all in on shoe shopping. (laughs) I thought shoe shopping was a 15-minute trip to the store, right? You go, you try the shoes on, you leave. It's not. There's a lot of deals to shoe shopping. It takes a long time. And I have decided since then, we've kind of made an agreement because I'm really annoying to her when I go, that I won't go shoe shopping. I let her off. I'm part in, right? My part is I drop you at the door. Call me when you're done. I'm going to do other things and we'll be back. That's what it looks like. Or maybe, for example, you might decide family reunions, right? There's some parts of your family. You might decide I'm part in. Oh, look at the time. I've got to go right? Like, maybe that's where you're at, but there are things in your life that you can decide your part in. But this decision about your relationship with God, it's not one of them. This is like the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. This is a framework that doesn't just affect your spirituality, it affects everything. Your relationships, your destiny, your purpose, how you see the world, how you live your life, Everything is affected by this decision. Will I be all in or not? Will God be central or not? Because there's not two ways about this. Either God's central or he's not central. 
And so we have to make a decision. And today we look at a text um, in Luke 5. It's a text about Peter. And the scripture talks about Peter's moment where he came to this moment and he had to make a decision. And his, his process of getting there wasn't simple. But he came to a moment where he had to make a decision. Am I going to be part in or am I going to be all in? And that's what God invited him to. And so we're going to take a look at that this morning. If you pull out your outlines, we will dig into the scripture and look at this idea of being part in or all in with Jesus. So how do you be all in with Jesus? Well, you be all in with Jesus. It all starts when you say yes to his leadership. When you decide, I can say yes to his leader, to, to something he's asking of me. Saying yes to his leadership is important because, let's face it, yes is a powerful word. Yes opens up possibilities and opportunities in our life. No says, I'm going to stay where I am. I like the way things are. I don't need change. But yes, yes opens up the whole door to change. It is the mechanism for change in our life when we're just simply willing to say yes. And that's Peter's journey. He lived it out because it's impossible to change without yes. And this is what Peter learned. So if you look in, you can open your Bibles, you can follow along on the screens of your outline as we read this first part of this text about Luke 5, verses 1 through 5. It says this, One day, as Jesus was standing by Lake Gazerosex, it's actually the Sea of Galilee, and uh, I, call, I talked to Pastor Rick when we were preparing this week, and I said, Mr., I've been to Israel, how do you pronounce this name? And he told me, and then I mispronounced it five more times, and so I just decided there's no use. It's the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the land, and the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So Jesus is a well-known teacher. People are gathering around him. He's not new. Peter and the other guys that are going to meet Jesus today, this isn't their first time meeting Jesus. He probably built a little bit of relationship with them, but this is their first real encounter with him, like where he's really engaging them in relationship. And there's a whole crowd, and they can see it, of people that have been come to see and hear him. And here's Peter and James and John. They all got their boats lined up on the beach because they've been fishing all night long and they're kind of done. And if you notice, they're not in the crowd. They're washing their nets. They're doing their business. Jesus came to them. Jesus showed up in their lives. So, Jesus says, he sees these boats. He sees one belonging to Simon Peter. He asks him, hey, will you put out a little from shore? And then he sits down in the boat, and he says, says the, taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, he said, put out in the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. So, Jesus meets, he's in their boats, he gets done talking, and he says to Peter, hey, why don't you put out and go out and fish, put down your nets, go out to the deep water and fish. Now, if you're Peter, and you have been up all night long, you just got done washing your nets, okay? You have been, you're, you're tired, you're exhausted. You already did this guy a favor, by going out in the boats and letting them teach from the boat. And now the preacher man thinks he knows about fishing. And so he tells you, go out in the deep water. What are you thinking if you're Peter? Right? Like, this guy does not know what he, like, what in the world are you doing? Like, I, I don't really know if this is going to, like, come on. Really? 
really, you want me to go out in the deep water? But look, look what Peter does. It says, Simon Peter answered. He said, Master, or what he was really saying there is rabbi, preacher. We've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything. Okay? So not only have I been up all night, but there ain't no fish in this lake biting today. Okay? It ain't working out. But because you say so, I will let them down. I will go out. Peter says yes. And that yes doesn't just come for free, right? This is, this is not just Peter saying, well, I guess you'll know what you're talking about. And all the good things are going to happen, and so we'll just go out and do it. Because I know that like, he's not experienced Jesus' miracles yet. He's not seen anything but this guy talk about stuff. Right? This is, this is not like, ooh, like this is, this is the very beginning. And so now Peter says, because you say so, I will. He gives him his yes without a guarantee of success. It is, but it's not just passive agreement, right? It's not, yeah, okay, Jesus. Why don't we just sit here a little longer until you forget about this and then I won't do it. It's a real yes. It's a, all right, we'll give this a whirl. I don't think this makes much sense, but we'll try it your way, and we'll see what happens. And that's the way the journey starts in all of our lives, giving Jesus your yes. You ever feel that way? Like some place in your life where you've come up against a challenge and God's asked you, here's the way to do it. You've maybe, maybe you read it. You know, this is the way it happened for me. Like as I began to come to God and I began to read the scripture, things started jumping out at me and I was like, oh, really? I got to do it that way? It doesn't make much sense. I don't know if I really want to do that. But I began to give God my yes to try to take some chances. And by doing so, it opened up new possibilities, new ways of doing things. Sometimes we think we got to feel right. Everything's got to line up. If the planets align, then... I'll say yes. But God doesn't work that way with us. He says, I'm going to give you an opportunity to experience something you've never experienced before, to go down a road you've not been down before. And sometimes we need to learn, like Peter, even though it doesn't make sense, even though I might not really want to do it, even though there might be something still resisting in me, okay, God, let's try it your way. There's this story I read about these, uh, this school that was putting up a flag for the first time. And they, you know, this is the teacher wanted to make a really big deal of this. They'd never had a flagpole, and so they're putting up the flag for the first time. So she calls the Marine color guard. She says, will you come to a ceremony? Put up this flag. Make it, like, the kids, I think the kids really love it, and they agree. And uh, the day before the ceremony is supposed to happen, the Marine in charge calls the school office to talk to the secretary, make sure what the date is, where it's going to be, all, what the time is, all that kind of stuff. And the secretary, just before he hangs up, says to him, now, you know this is for elementary school children, right? Like, are you sending Marines that like children? And there's this pause on the phone, right? Like, there's silence, and she doesn't know what to make of this silence. And then finally, the Marine says back to her, Ma'am, if I tell them to like children, they will like children. <laughs> now, listen, I know that it doesn't always work exactly that way in our lives, but the whole point of this the story is this, like, Listen, when you're in the military, that whole yes sir, no sir thing, it's not just about getting compliance. It's about like when you're in the foxhole and poison gas is dumped in, there's no time for consensus. Like, hey, should we put the masks on or not? Like, 
I like your pink mask. Can, you, can I borrow that? And do, my earrings don't match. So, you know, there's no time for consensus and debate about these things. Like, life is on the line. And so they learn to trust each other. Because you say so, I will. And it needs to work the same in our life if we're going to walk with God because it's more than just your life that's on the line. It's your eternity. It's your relationship with God. It's everything in your life that is on the line. And beginning to learn how to give God your yes will change and transform everything in your life. Why did Peter say yes when everything in him should have said no? Trust him. He learned how to trust God. He learned to believe what Jesus was saying and try it out. Test it out. And there's a big difference between believing in God and believing God. A lot of people in our world that believe in God. Many fewer who have accepted they'll believe God. They'll do what he says. Because you say so, I will. And you don't just believe God by, poof, it happens. You believe God by giving him your yes. By saying, yes, God. Yes, God, I'll, I'll try it, I'll do it. And in doing so, you learn how trustworthy he is. It's a great story um, by a gal in our church that I want you to watch. Her name is Mary Lou. And uh, Mary Lou lived a long time believing in God. And then one day, God spoke to her in a special way. It didn't make sense. She didn't understand it. But she decided to believe God. She decided to give him his yes. And it changed a lot in her life. Watch. Five years ago, it happened to me in an elevator, suddenly. My husband Gary and I were separated, awaiting a final divorce, which he wanted after a 25-year marriage. Gary had been diagnosed with inoperable liver cancer after our separation. He was approaching his last days, and I was visiting him daily in the hospital, praying that he would accept Jesus on his deathbed. He had become an angry, bitter man, and I knew he was running out of time. I was in the elevator at Hershey Med Center by myself, and suddenly I heard a voice in my head say, tell Gary that you love him. After the constant tongue lashing I got from him, telling him I loved him was the furthest thing from my mind. I knew that voice had to be from God. I just started crying. I can't say that. He just yells at me as soon as I enter his room. You'll have to tell him. Somehow when I entered his room, the words came out of my mouth without thinking. Gary, have I told you lately how much I love you? He immediately started confessing his sins, asking Jesus into his heart and saying I'm sorry over and over. At that moment, I understood that was God telling him he loved him through my mouth. And that was the only way Gary was going to understand. Also, at that moment, I understood what it means to hear the voice of God in my ears and to obey Him. Hearing God speak to me was a life-changing moment for me. I didn't ever want to miss that again. Before that day, my fears of all the what-ifs that could happen if I did what God asked were always on my mind. I certainly was not comfortable being by myself and didn't feel I had much to offer him. From that day forward, it was like my ears were unplugged. 
Not only was I hearing, but I was going to Jesus for everything. I had seen the results of surrendering to what he had asked me to do and watched him work to change a life instantly. I never wanted to miss the chance to have God use me in some small way again. I had asked him into my heart at age six, but had always lived my life trying to have everything figured out. I didn't move unless I could see exactly what would happen at each step. For the past five years, my life has been so different. I rarely worry anymore, I just trust. I am learning to totally depend on God and have an awareness of Him at work with no fear. This has brought me a peace that truly passes all understanding. Does my road in this world have bumps? Absolutely. Does He get me through it all? Yes, in amazing ways. Now when I sense God telling me who to bless and with what, no matter how small I think it is, I'm not afraid to listen. I find it is always exactly what the person needs and vice versa. I've seen him use a small financial gift or sometimes just the product of a hobby I have to build someone's faith. That act of submitting to God's will in the elevator started a pattern in my life that brings me more joy than I ever experienced trying to do things my own way. He has taken my fear away of what I have to offer is too small to be significant. He has so taken care of me over these last five years and even though I live alone, I am never alone. Love the power of just saying yes. How it changed Mary Lou's life. Everything was transformed. It wasn't just her marriage or that last moment with her husband. It was everything about the way she's lived and how she's blessed others and the trajectory of her life and the joy that she has. Everything affected by just saying yes. Sometimes I think we struggle to say yes because we get a little mixed up, like we, we want an if-then casual thing to go on with God. Like, well, God, if you'll do this, then I'll do this, right? But relationships don't work that way. It certainly doesn't work that way with God. You don't get to control God by saying, if I do this. How's that work in your marriage, right? Well, babe, if you do this, then I would. When you're in that mode, things aren't going well. Just a hint, okay? If you're in that mode, stop. It's not good. It's like stop digging yourself into a deeper hole. When in your life with God, when he invites you to something, there's this one principle that you need to learn. Blessing comes after obedience. He asks us to say yes, and it's after our yes that we experience the power of God that we rub shoulders with Jesus in doing what he's asked in our obedience. We're in his presence, and we experience his life, his flow, what he's doing, and it changes everything. Blessing follows obedience. So give him your yes. Don't resist, because when you give Jesus your yes, when you say, because you say so, I will, to Jesus, it allows you to experience something even larger something even more important. Not just saying yes to his leadership, but experiencing his lordship. So 
let's talk about how to go all in, how this happens in Peter's life when he doesn't just, he doesn't stop saying yes to Jesus' leadership. But in that moment, as he does, he experiences Christ's lordship over his life. There's this thing of lordship, and it's, I know lordship is kind of a strange word in our culture. Maybe you think lord, and you think like noble, and you know, you think Braveheart or some other movie that you've seen lords over certain places. Lordship in biblical terms is, the best way to describe it is on the inner life, right? This place inside your heart where you have been on the throne inside your life for all of your life. You've sat on the throne of your life and you said, okay, deciding to go here, I'm deciding to do that. And in giving God your yes, it's like you say, you know what, God? All right, I've been on the throne. It's not working so well. So I'm going to go ahead and get off for this one time. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to step off the throne, and I'm going to let you on. And in doing that, you experience what it means for God to be in charge of your life. You experience what it means to belong to God. And as that happens, and you do it again, and again, and again, pretty soon, you find yourself not just saying, take the throne, but you find yourself taking a knee and saying, Lord, You are over all of this. It is so much better your way. I'm tired of fearing. I'm tired of of being a victim. I'm tired of my life falling apart. I'm tired of doing this on my own. So why don't you just go ahead? You got it from here. That's Peter's experience. That happens a lot of different ways, but I want to look at how it happened for Peter in this scripture in Luke chapter 5, verse 6. It says that, when they had done so, when they had put out into the deep water and put down their net, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Remember, earlier, how many fish had they caught all night long? None. Where do you catch fish in the Sea of Galilee? Not during the day, not in the deep water. They caught so many fish their nets began to break. And so they signaled for their partners in the other boat to come help them. That would be James and John, two more people that would follow Jesus. And so their boats got so full, they began to sink. And when that happened, you can picture this, right? Like, Like the boats are like they pull in these nets. The nets are breaking. The fish are like everywhere. They're like flipping up and down and they're like stepping over it. And they look at the side of the boat and the water is starting to lap in over the side of the boat because the boats are so weighed down with fish. This doesn't happen. This is out of Peter's box. Like this is just not even making sense to me at all. It's like you have those moments where things like everything breaks down in your worldview. Nothing makes sense anymore. This is Peter's moment. And Peter, in this great awakening in his soul, says, when Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Before this, he had called Jesus rabbi, preacher, pastor. Now he recognizes who Jesus is and he calls him Lord, sovereign one to whom my life belongs. He recognizes Jesus as someone totally different, worthy of having the throne in his life, and he takes a knee to him. And it says that he and his companions were astonished. The literal translation says seized by amazement. 
they were seized in their souls by amazement of what had just happened and that the catch of fish that they had taken, and they were so amazed, they couldn't see life the same after that. They began to defer to Jesus. And it says in the scripture, and I love this, this is, so Peter takes this knee to Jesus, and he has this awakening in his soul, you know, the kind of awakening where, where it's like a door gets opened in your life. This is what Peter's going on for him. It's like this doorway got opened in Peter's life and he looked through it and he's on the threshold of this door and he has to make this decision and he knows I have to make a decision in this threshold of this doorway. Like there's it, a response is required in this moment. He looks through the doorway and everything looks different. It is an entirely different way of being if when he takes this knee. He looks as he's on his knees and it's like this this two-sided experience happens. One, he's experienced the living God himself. And in that powerful moment, he's also experienced his true, selfish, sinful self. And he sees the great disparity between the two. And in that moment is this beautiful thing that happens when Jesus says to Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You've caught fish, but now your life's going to be totally different. You're going to catch men. It's I'm with, everything is about to change for you because you've decided to step through that threshold. It's this moment like in Great Awakening, in a genuine awakening when everything transforms for us. When we realize that we're not who we ought to be, but God is far more than we ever thought. And in that moment, you have to decide. Some people in that threshold moment they run through that doorway, right? They're like, yes, I've been waiting for this so long. And others of us are like awakening from a sleep and we have to work our way into it to say yes in that moment. But God shows up in our life and he asks us, will you make me Lord? I remember my moment, like Simon Peter's. I remember I was in college. I was a junior in college and I, this very same passage was the one that was preached that day. I don't even remember what the pastor says, a lot like all you guys when you walk out of here. You probably don't remember most of what I say. But I remember what the Holy Spirit said through him. I remember the moment at the end of the service when they had this call and they allowed people to come forward to the altar and God asked me to come forward. I was on that threshold, right? The door had been opened to a whole new way of being and I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't, and I don't, I didn't, I wasn't raised in traditions where you go forward. Um, and the tr- places that I did go that went forward, I always kind of ruled them out as that's what crazy people do, right? That's, that's for other people, but not me. So I was like that sleeper, right? I had to awaken out of this. I stood on this threshold. I knew it required a response. But I argued with what seemed hours. I'm sure it was just minutes, but it seemed like hours to get myself forward. And I finally knelt. And I remember just asking God, what do you want from me? Why am I even here? And almost audibly, the Spirit impressed upon my heart, I want everything, Sean. I want all that you've ever dreamed of, all that you want to be. I want all of it because I want to give it back to you and bless you with it. But you've got to let go. And that was my moment where I kneeled at Jesus' feet and said, great sinner that I am, God, okay. This, my life is now yours. See, this moment that God calls us to, this awakening, it's not for, just for preachers. I didn't, I didn't preach for 15, 20 years after that. 
God didn't, I wasn't a pastor, I wasn't vocational, because God called me to follow him wherever, to give my yes to him again and again, and that's the way I've lived my life. God, because you say so, I will. He calls every one of us to that same thing, that same journey, just follow me. You don't have to understand it all, it doesn't have to make all sense, follow me. Experience my lordship, be transformed by it. Sometimes in that encounter, we don't realize, we resist like, ah, I better get everything done myself. I better figure it out myself, and then God can help me. But we don't realize the very person that can transform our life is right in our midst, and all it takes is a yes. All it takes is us being honest. There's this great show, Undercover Boss. Have you ever seen Undercover Boss? Where the bosses come down, they work with things, and like, The person who can change their life is right in the room, and often the person doesn't know it. I want you to watch a clip of it. It's such a good illustration of how God works in our life often. One employee whose life has been transformed dramatically is Angel, who was an associate in the apparel department at Modell Sporting Goods. Hi, nice to meet you. I just said I'm working with you today. Yes, you are working with me today. When her CEO went undercover and discovered that one of his most dedicated employees was struggling to keep her family afloat, he was heartbroken. You know, we've been homeless for a long time. We live in a shelter now. It doesn't You live in a a shelter? It's a homeless shelter. Been there for about like two years now. It doesn't matter though. Don't I don't want you to feel sad for me or anything. What I want you to know is that things get better. As long as you push and you push, things are gonna get better. Mitchell Modell was so touched, he knew he had to step in and do something to change Angel's life forever. I think about that homeless shelter where you go home every night since I left you. It kills me to see that you're still there. So I have a check for you. <laughs> I want you to move out of there immediately, like tonight. What? No. You cannot be serious. I'm serious. And so I have on me a check for $250,000. Oh, my God. No. No. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. No. Angel, are you okay? After being on Undercover Boss, my life has changed dramatically. It's, it's a blessing. Oh, my goodness. The impact that Mitchell has had on our lives is indescribable. We just moved out of the shelter. We're in our new four-bedroom home. We're looking forward to getting our new furniture and just maintaining it. Wow! You like it, right? Come on, go find your room! <laughs> just to have my own keys. You know, I'm so excited. (laughs) I have a house. Yes! (laughs) Which room you like? You like that one? Before the show, my job title, I was a a Pearl Department associate. And after the show, I was assistant manager. So (laughs) it's wonderful. It requires a lot more responsibility, and I love it. You like it? It's a good house, huh? I want to keep moving forward and moving up. You know, I want to be a district manager. So, you know, I want to learn everything that there is to learn. I want to make sure that we're living up to the platinum model standards, and I want to keep moving on up. Such an incredible illustration of what God wants to do in your life. No, she's standing there, and she says, Y'all, I, 
I've been living in this homeless shelter, but it's going to get better, and I'm trying to convince myself of it, and I want to have hope in it, but it's been that way for years, and in her very midst is the person who can transform everything. And when he, she invites him into that conversation, into her life, blessing happens. And I love what she says at the end. She says, I, because of all this, because I've said yes to this whole situation, I want to live up to the platinum model standard. I want my life to be, I've seen his values, I want my life to be like that. It's coming from here, right? It's not, I'm artificially trying to do this so I can get promoted. It's, I want to be different. I'm open and receptive to that difference. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. That's what he offers to you. And when we say, oh, I, I can do it myself, or I've got this area of my life, and I, it's not been working out the way I've planned, but I'll just, I'll, I'll make a new plan. We'll get through it, and then maybe I'll come to God. And God's going, but I'm right here. And if you will just invite me in, you will be partnered with the most powerful person in the universe that can transform everything in your life. It takes yes. It takes giving him lordship. It means taking chances and risks. It means saying, I'm not going to try to do this anymore on my own. And practically speaking, there's a lot of places in your life, in your time, your talent, your treasure, when you take a knee to God, when you recognize all that God is doing, has done, and will do in your life, you begin to say, may all of it fall under your lordship. I'm not going to hold back anymore. It all belongs to you. I belong to you, and I will trust you with everything. That's not always an easy journey, but it's one worthwhile. And it is a journey. The great spiritual master, Philon, from the 1400s, he, he puts the illustration this way when he was mentoring others. He says, this journey of surrender is like you come to Jesus and you take a knee and you say, you know what, I'm in this vast, I look out over this vast plain that I'm in and I surrender everything I see to you. All that I can see, Jesus, is yours. And then you journey through that plain until you come to a slight rise in the horizon. And as you come to that rise in the horizon, you look out over and you discover there's a whole bunch of new countries, new places that you didn't even know were there. A thousand things in your heart that you swore that you had given up, that you didn't cling to. And God reveals them to you and says, how about those? Will you surrender those too? And this past year, I was, um, I was on a sabbatical back about a year ago, and I had an opportunity to go to a monastery for four and a half days. And um, I took a solitude retreat there, like totally quiet, just meditating on God's word and spending time in prayer. I invited my wife to go, and she was like, are you kidding me? I am not staying quiet for four and a half days. They will kick me out of that place. So I'm there by myself. I sit. I, one day I just I took two and a half hours. They had this incredible like statue and table of the Last Supper with Jesus there. And so I just took two and a half or three hours because when you're by yourself there's no place to go nothing else to do right so you have no excuses so I just sat down and began to meditate on scripture and began to sit at this table and pray and uh, it was one of those rise in the horizon experiences for me where I, I sat down at the farthest seat away from Jesus on a statue of him with his bread and his plate and eating the last supper right before he went to the cross 
And I remember after sitting there for a while, the Spirit just impressing on my heart, like, why just sit so far from me? Why are you way at the end of the table? And the Spirit began to reveal to me the thousand things in my heart, the things that I just felt so unworthy of God. Like, do you know, God, all the things? Like, you know down deep. Like, I just I have to admit I'm not worthy to be here. I sat at the edge because I don't know if I really even belong. As much as I've tried to love you, I've, I've failed so often. And in that moment, I began to move then from seat to seat until I sat across from Jesus and just put my hands on the table and was just praying and felt like he just reached across and put his hands on mine and said, Sean, all of this stuff that you try to do to earn your way to my table, do you know how insulting it is to me? I went to the cross, I shed my blood, I gave my life so that you could be here and belong here. And when you bring your stuff to earn your way here, when you try to do stuff, even in your yes to me, it just steals you from me. And I ended up eventually making my way around to him. And this is something that I think only happens like in a monastery, right, where people don't look at you like you're totally nuts. I was, I was actually kneeling at the statue of Jesus, and I ended up laying my hand, head in his lap, and I just, as I was praying, felt like for the first time in my life, Jesus said, this is what I long for you. See, I, Jesus, Sean, I don't want all your stuff. I just want you. When I ask of you, like everything that you do, just let it flow out of your relationship with me. Bow at my feet and let my life flow into you. Everything comes from that. It transformed my whole way of being. It was like being on that threshold all over again and saying yes. That is our journey as followers of Jesus. Again and again and again. Saying yes to Jesus, allowing him to transform our lives. I was trying to clean up our life, my life myself. But it was Jesus' invitation to lordship that allowed him to get directly involved, to transform the way I live. Sometimes we have to come to this place where we say, am I all in or part in? Am I going to conditionally surrender and make a truce with God? Or am I going to go all in and say, God, change everything about me? When General Lee, at the end of the Civil War, walked into General Grant's office, General Grant asked him all kinds of questions. And General Lee sat there in silence. And then he got up and he pulled out his sword that was still had blood on it from the war, and he laid it down on the desk and he said, this is the first and only order of business today. I surrender. And he left. This is what God calls us to. Not conditional, not part-time, not I understand it, but this journey of saying yes. Not because I know it's all going to work, just to say yes. Because as you say yes to Jesus, you begin to experience this person and everything changes. So it comes down to this question of, can we be a follower of Jesus for only part in Can we really know him and experience him from a distance? Can God be central to my life when I'm still in control? No. This is not about just hanging out at the fringes. This is about allowing God to change us totally. Being part in with God, being part in with Jesus is like going to Hawaii for 10 days, checking into your hotel room, staying there the whole time, and then flying back and telling everybody what a great time you had in Hawaii, right? Hey, I went to Hawaii. What did you experience? My hotel room. Wasn't it great? And yet so many people 
believe in God, call themselves Christians, but they're not following Jesus. They're not all in. They have missed out on the best parts of being in God. The most transformational, incredible changes are still awaiting them. And it's a journey. A journey of saying yes. Yes, again and again and again. See, I don't want to just be part of it. I don't want to just live, take up space and breathe. I want to be alive. And God says you come alive when you surrender. When you go all in with Jesus, you go from just living to being alive, to being your whole life changed. And in those moments of saying yes to Jesus, it allows us to experience God in a whole new way. It's like we go in and we say, God, you know what? God, you are my Father. Yes, Jesus, I surrender to you and your Lordship. And I will do it again, and I'll make this decision. This is my decision today to be adopted in your family, and I'll make that same decision a thousand times again. That's what God invites us to, and that's what I invite you to today, to surrender and experience all that God has for you, to just even give him a yes when you don't know if it's going to work out so that you can follow into this place of experiencing God himself. I pray for you. Jesus, today may may we hold nothing back. May we find those places where you show us those places, where you invite us to say yes, that we don't make sense of, we don't understand, but we just need to say yes so that you can work. Give us the courage. Do in our hearts what we can't even do for ourselves. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as we do, wherever we're at on that journey, that you will meet us, that you'll help us to lay our heads in your lap and to experience you and to know that you've said, I don't want all your stuff, I just want you. And everything else will flow from it. So God, make us alive as we take a knee, as we trust in your goodness and your love, as we surrender ourselves completely to your love and your goodness. Amen. This morning, I want to challenge you. The worship team's going to sing a song, I Surrender All. And um, I don't know where you're at. Maybe, you're, maybe you've, you've said yes to Jesus many times. Maybe you've even experienced his lordship. Today is just a day that you want to confirm that. Today, maybe he even showed you something that he wants you to give him your yes in again. Or maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been exploring this, and you just know that you need to give Jesus a yes. You need to let Jesus work in your life. You need to take a knee, to bow to Jesus and say, take it from here. So I want to give you a few moments as they sing, and you can do this wherever you're at. You know, often our physical position puts our hearts in a new position. Both things line up. So today, if you want to take a knee at your seat, if you want to join me, I'm going to go to the cross and take a knee. If you just want to bow because you can't take a knee, then just bow. But whatever you are, wherever you are in this journey, I encourage you, don't just do it because I told you to. Allow Jesus to work in your life. Take a knee in your heart, your mind, and your life. Say, God, I, I want to experience all of it. I want to be alive. I don't want to just stand on the outside anymore. I want all of it again. Maybe this is your first time. You're like, I don't even know how to do that. Well, I'll tell you how to do it. Just give him your yes. And then give him your yes again. And then when it doesn't work, and it doesn't work, and you go, I... I don't, Jesus, I want to give you my no. I don't want to do this. Then give him your yes. And when you say no to him, just repent and give him your yes again because he just wants.
brought you there. And when you've said yes enough to Jesus and tasted that the Lord is good, you want to give him all of your yeses. It's all you'll have left, and it'll all be good. So I invite you to take some time as you sing. Use this opportunity to say yes to Jesus.